If you didn't know this or give you some information, you, you, you probably maybe did not um, know Pizza Hut, uh, which was started in Wichita. Did you know that? Pizza Hut started in Wichita uh, 65 years ago, which is, which is that's a long time. Uh, today, Pizza Hut is the largest pizza company delivering more pizza, pasta, and wings than any other restaurant in the world. Did you know that? Uh, I think that's kind of crazy. Here's why. Uh, I personally know a gentleman who was asked to invest in Pizza Hut in the very beginning 65 years ago, and his response was, nobody's going to eat that old pizza pie. World's largest pizza company. Uh, crazy. Uh, my question is, have you ever missed out on something? Maybe you just missed it? I, 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 if I would have had my way many, many years ago, I would have missed out on the greatest thing to happen to me outside of my faith in Jesus. When I was a sophomore in, in high school, that would have been, I don't know, long time, 80, 86 or something, five, 86, uh, something like that. Um, my, my parents uh, went on sabbatical. My dad was a pastor and, and he got six months off and he and mom were gonna move from White City, Oregon to Joplin, Missouri, and they were gonna go to school. Uh, they were gonna take some classes um, at Ozark Christian College. And uh, they, they were planning, all the, my brother and sister, they were out of the house. It, it was just me. Um, and they're like, okay, we're, we're moving to Joplin. And I'd, I was like, no. <laughs> I, I'm not going to do that. As far as I was concerned, m moving away from the school, uh, the district, the people that, that I had, had, had like we lived in the same place my whole life, uh, and moving away, it was going to end my, my, my life. That was going to end the story that I was writing for um, myself. I, I was uh, playing basketball and had just uh, had a coach offer to work with me um, and, and do, and like, I was really excited about, about that it was going to be really good, um, for my, my short lived basketball career. Um, I was singing, uh, in, in the school and was getting a lot of opportunities there. And, and so like, I had this whole story in, in my life, basketball and singing, that was going to be a, a really big, uh, deal. But my mother, bless her heart. She couldn't bear leaving her baby boy at home and moving halfway across the, the country. Um, and so I, I had to go. Like we had, I had parents, there were parents calling my parents and they were like, look, we have a camper outside. We'll let him live in the camper. Like, like we're gonna make this work if you'll just let him stay here. And my mom said, no, I can't. Uh, then, of course, we got to Joplin, and my parents started working in the cafeteria at the school, and so they got up and left the house at 4 o'clock in the morning, so I never saw them anyway. But I was there. Uh, anyway, um, because of that move, because we, we moved and because they made me, they forced me to move to Joplin with them, I met Andrea, 
and then married her. And if I would have had my way and refused to move, I, I would have missed out on much more than, than that scrawny 15-year-old could have ever imagined. And I think we all miss out on, on stuff. Black Friday sales, <laughs> you ever gotten there just right after the last one was, was taken? We, we miss out on investment opportunities right before the, the stock picks up. We miss out on celebrity sightings. Well, not Andrea. She doesn't miss out on that. Chris Maloney, you got to see him. But a lot of we miss out because we just don't see him. Maybe you missed Kevin Costner last week hanging out in, in Leon. But, but there are some things in our lives that we just, we just can't afford to miss out on. We just can't afford to miss them. And so we're gonna start out this brand new series looking in the Gospel of Matthew, the beginning of chapter two. So let's start there. Um, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem, and look, I know Jesus hasn't been born yet. It's December 3rd. It's not December 25th. I know, but just hang with me. You'll, you'll see. It'll make sense maybe. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, Wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, or some translations might say, we saw his star from the east, because they were from the east, probably Babylon area. And, and we have come from there to worship him. So we're gonna start our Christmas series, oddly, talking about an event that happened roughly two years after Jesus was born in the timeline. And, and it, is, it is odd, it is weird, um, but here's the deal. For, for these people that we're talking about, the, the wise men and, and Herod and, and Jerusalem, uh, the people of Israel, um, it, it's been two years ago since Jesus was born in Bethlehem, a town about five miles south of Jerusalem. It's been two years since the angel announced the birth to Mary and Joseph uh, to the shepherds out in the field. It's been two years since the shepherds ran into town, found Jesus exactly as the angels had said, and then began to tell everybody who would listen in this town called Bethlehem, five miles from Jerusalem. And so it's been roughly two years since the wise men in Babylon saw the star signifying the birth of the, the king of the, the Jews. Now, this is, is really odd, but if you connect all of the dots, it's, it's this really beautiful story that God is writing. And at the end, we're gonna see how it all fits, um, fits together. But, but in order to understand why these wise men showed up in Jerusalem, why they knew about this star, because you're like, what? How did they know? Why did they know and nobody else knew? Well, you got to go back in Israel's history, back to um, about 586 BC, when Nebuchadnezzar, who's king of Babylon, comes to Jerusalem and he conquers the nation of Israel and he hauls off everybody of any kind of import from Jerusalem. And among that huge group of people happened in two, uh, two separate times when Babylon came and hauled people from Jerusalem back to, to Babylon. 
And in that um, transfer of people, there was a guy named Daniel. There's a book in the Old Testament called Daniel. It's, it's in Daniel where we read the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. And, and Daniel is a guy who stands up for his faith, and eventually he becomes um, a very powerful person in the kingdom of Babylon. He becomes an advisor to the king himself and actually multiple kings he becomes the advisor to. He lives out his days in, in Babylon and, and he becomes this prolific um, writer. He's part of what they would call the magicians or, or wise men. And he gives advice to the king and, and, and most likely he wrote things down. We know that that he had this connection with God and God spoke to him and he probably wrote a bunch of stuff down and he must have written down about this star. Somehow he knew that, God shared that with him and he wrote about what would happen in the future many, many years before this event at the birth of, of Jesus. And so the wise men in Babylon they know the writings of Daniel. They've studied them. They've researched them. They see this star when Jesus is born and, and they head off to Israel to find him. Now, Israel um, is, is roughly uh, 1,500 miles from Babylon. And it's not a straight shot because there's a huge desert in between Babylon and, and, and Israel or Judea at this time, the Southern Kingdom. And so you have to travel on what's called the Fertile Crescent, and you have to go um, kind of north and around, and then you got to drop down into um, Jerusalem. So it's 1,500, 1,700 miles, something like that. And it's a dangerous journey. Like, it takes a long time, months and months, to walk that, that far to get there. And you don't travel on your own, especially if you have, like we know the wise men had gifts that they were bringing to Jesus. And so they would have wanted to protect those gifts. They would have looked like they had money. So they had to have people to protect him. So they had to have servants, they had to have guards, they had to have this entourage. And so however many wise men there were, and we really don't know how many there were, we only know how many gifts were brought. Um, it would have taken a lot of people. It would have taken a lot of resources. It would have taken a lot of work to get a group of people from Babylon more than 1,500 miles down to Jerusalem. That whole trip there and then back probably was a year, more than a year to make that trip back and forth before they got home. And they had to have, um, they had to have food to eat. They had to have water to drink. They had to provide for all of these animals and all of these people that would have made the trip with them. Like this was a huge, huge deal. When the wise men see the star from the east, probably Babylon, they immediately make plans. Like they make the connection between the star and what Daniel had written. And they immediately make plans and go on the, on the move. And they head to Jerusalem and it takes them a while to get there. But Herod, who only lived five miles from, Jeru uh, from Bethlehem, from Jerusalem to Bethlehem, um, he, he did nothing. In fact, there's no indication at all that anybody in Israel saw the star, recognized the star, connected the star to the birth of the king. And, and so here's the point. Most of us miss out on things simply because we refuse to move. Simply because we refuse to move. 
I have a friend in Washington State who, uh, for a few months, worked with him on some things, and um, he keeps talking about he and his wife looking to move out of the West Coast, which, why wouldn't you? Uh, and so it wants to move to the middle part of the country. And, and Wichita's kind of right in the center, and he does all of his work kind of online, and so it would make sense for him time-wise to, to do that. And so he keeps talking about the cost of living here in the Wichita area and what it's like. The problem they keep coming back to is he and his wife think that every year a tornado comes and wipes out the whole state. This is exactly what my mother thinks. Every, she could come here in the winter and she would go, now, is there going to be a tornado when I'm there? I'm like, mom, this is not, <laughs> wait. Okay, I've seen tornadoes. You've probably seen tornadoes too. There was, there was one, the one that went through Andover. Andrea and I were standing in the back of our truck in a parking lot in Wichita watching it go through. Uh, on the phone with TJ, our youngest son, who was with a bunch of friends at our house, not in the basement, uh, standing out on the porch watching whatever they could see. Because that's what you do if you uh, live in, in Kansas. So I talked to this, this guy and he's like, well, doesn't, don't the tornadoes come like all the time and just like, like kill everybody? And I'm, and I'm like, no. And in fact, many of the people who lose their lives in tornadoes lose their lives simply because they refuse to move. They hear the sirens, they know that a storm is coming and they don't take any precautions. They don't go anywhere. They don't they don't do anything. They don't move from their seeds. In fact, there were stories um, years ago, like my first tornado experience in Kansas was that one in, what was it, uh, 91, that, that like Andover, you know, was gone. Welcome to Kansas, Corey. I was actually working in Wichita and, and had to go into the shelter uh, and when it passed and it was over, I had to drive back home to Augusta and the only road you could drive on was 21st. And that was back when 21st wasn't really there, you know, it was just a little two lane road. And I told Andrea when I got home, I said, it looked like, like probably what hell would look like. It was terrible. The, the moon was bright, but there were no lights and there was nothing on the trees. It was really, it was really kind of, um, kind of crazy. But there were lots of stories about people in the Andover tornado who heard the sirens and said, eh, it's just a tornado siren. It's no big deal. I'll sit here in my chair and watch TV. Herod and the rest of Jerusalem with him missed the birth of Jesus in part because they refused to move, even though it was so close. And, and it's not just that they didn't move physically, that they didn't get up and go to Bethlehem, but they really refused to move religiously or spiritually. They refused to, to move or to lose out on their social positions. They couldn't believe that God's king would be born in a stable, that he would be born into struggle, that his birth would be announced by dirty shepherds, or that the king would be born into suffering. And so they refused to move mentally, physically, and receive Jesus as the promised king. And, and that refusal to, to move, by the way, continues today for the people of, of Israel. All of this evidence, and yet they, they absolutely ignore it. Let's go back to the text. 
When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. So the wise men come, they, they get an appointment with Herod, they go in, they're like, hey, where's your king? Now remember, Herod is the king of, of Israel. So he's probably not super happy about this, even though he knows the prophecies. So they show up, they say, where's the king? When Herod heard this, he was troubled and the whole city with him. And so he assembled all the chief priests and the scribes of the people. These are the religious leaders uh, of, of Israel. And he inquired of them where the Christ, remember Christ means king, where the king was to be born. And they told him in Bethlehem of Judea, so it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. So from more than 1,500 miles away, the wise men see this star in the sky and immediately they gather up all of the necessary provisions. And it took a while to do this. There was a lot to get together. But they get it all together and they begin their long journey to Jerusalem to find this promised king signified by the star in the sky. And from five miles away, the religious leaders and all of Jerusalem miss the star, and so they miss their savior. But I find it really interesting that Herod calls the religious leaders and he says, hey, tell me about this. Like, where is this supposed to happen? The religious leaders knew that God's promised king was gonna be born in Bethlehem. And I'm like, why didn't you just have a priest like stationed there waiting for this to happen. Like, this is a big deal. You probably should have been paying attention. They knew um, where he was to be born. They knew the what about him. Like, what is he gonna do? He's gonna come to shepherd my people Israel. He's gonna be the root of Jesse. He's gonna send the, the throne of his father, David. Um, they even knew why because they needed a savior to come and rescue them. The only thing the Jewish people didn't know was when, when this king was going to come. Now they had the same information that the wise men in Babylon had. But instead of watching for the sign of the king to come, they focused on the kingdom that was already there. They were focused on their own kingdom, keeping the peace. By this time, Rome had conquered Israel and was ruling and occupying the nation. And so they were concerned about keeping the peace with, with Rome and making sure everything goes smooth. They got tied up, uh, so tied up in their own story that they missed his story. They got so tied up in what they were doing, their life and, and their stuff and their political problems and their dealings with Rome that they missed this story that God was writing, even though God gave them all the information that they needed in, in their own writings. God knew that my parents would take a six-month sabbatical in Missouri and he knew that while they were there, while I was there, I'd meet Andy, who, by the way, was dating some loser at the time. Uh, and, um, and, and that he would write a story that I 
couldn't have imagined. And that would begin in a place that I did not want to go, in a place I did not want to, to be. And I nearly missed that because I was fighting so hard to write my own story and to build my own kingdom. I felt like there was a lot going for me back in my home school. And when I got pulled out of that, all of that was lost. For two years, Herod and all of Jerusalem had heard the stories and the rumors of this promised king born. For two years, there'd been these whisperings of this thing in Bethlehem that had happened, this visit of the angels. And, and instead in, of investigating these claims and these rumors, they just chose to ignore it. They did nothing. They didn't try to find out the truth. But when these strangers show up from from Babylon, from far away, they are forced to take the story seriously. And here's how the text continues. Then Herod, after he found out the, the, the when, or the what and the why and all that, Herod summons the wise men secretly and he ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, Bring me word that I too may come and worship him. Now again, the religious leaders knew where and they knew what and they knew why. They just had missed the when. The wise men had that information and they filled them in. So Herod finds out about when the star appeared. And then he tells the wise men that he wants to worship this baby born king as well. So he says, you go the five miles to Bethlehem after your 1500 plus mile journey. You go on the five miles to, to Bethlehem. And, and when you find him, come back and tell me. Herod hears the story of the wise men and he wanted the information he just didn't want the investment. He wanted to hear, like, come and tell me what you find and it'll be exciting and I'll go worship him too. But he wasn't willing to go with them. He wasn't willing to make that five mile journey. In fact, none of the religious leaders were. None of them could be bothered to go five miles out of their way from Jerusalem to Bethlehem. They were not willing to miss out on their story, the one that they had been writing and building and putting together, the one that, that made them the star of, of their own story, the one that was about them attaining power and possession and, and finance. And so they missed his story. But the wise men got exactly what they came for, the opportunity to meet the Messiah in person. Look at this, verse 9. After listening to the king, they went on their way and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose, it went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. And then they opened their treasure. They offered him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. 
And, and so, so you, you got to understand what's going on here. Because the wise men were willing to miss out on their own story. Like this journey for them would, would have taken to Jerusalem and then back to, to Babylon would have probably taken a year or maybe more. It was just a big deal. They could only go as fast as the slowest person. Like there was a lot of stuff going on here. And so they, did, they didn't miss out on their own story. They missed their home. They missed their family. They, they missed out on whatever finances they might have gained while they were there. They missed out on a lot by leaving their home and making this long journey to Jerusalem. But in moving, they become an integral part of a much bigger story. Now, there's a lot that has been made about the gifts that the wise men bring. Um, I've probably preached them. You've probably heard it before. There's gold and frankincense and and myrrh, and there's all kinds of like allegorical things that are that are brought up. Like um, gold signifies royalty, and Jesus was born the king, and so that's why they brought gold. And 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 frankincense is an incense, and incense is used in the worship of gods, and so it signifies that Jesus is God, and and so that's why they brought the frankincense. And and myrrh is a spice that is often used in in burial. They would they would soak the linen cloths in a mixture of spices and myrrh was an important spice in that. And then they would wrap the body of the deceased. And so it it speaks about how Jesus was born to die. And there's all these symbolism kind of stuff that goes into that. The the problem is that we simply have no idea uh, of knowing whether that's actually true or not. Like we know what those things were used for. We don't know if that's why they brought them to Jesus. It's all speculative at best. And it's speculative because we know the end of the story. But did the wise men know the end of the story? Did they know why they brought all of those things? I think there's a much more practical reason that Matthew includes the story of the wise men in his gospel. Because if you read the next section in chapter 2, I think it begins in verse 13. You find that Herod is furious that the wise men don't do what he said. They don't go back to him and tell him, we we found the Messiah, we found the king. Instead, they go home in another direction. They bypass Herod. They're warned in a dream not to tell him, and so they, they leave. And because Herod is angry, because he feels like his throne and his rule is threatened, He commands that every male child two years of age and younger be killed. The genocide of his own people simply to try and stop the story that God was writing. And so the gifts that the wise men bring to Jesus were probably not about his royalty um, and his divinity and his death They really were just about providing Mary and Joseph and Jesus the financial means to escape the the genocide that was going to happen in Judea. Mary and Joseph and Jesus have to flee quickly. Joseph is warned in a dream when when the wise men leave that Herod is gonna kill the children and they're to get out. And so they leave under the cover of darkness and they quickly flee to Egypt 
and they live there until Herod dies. And then they come back to Israel, but they don't go to Bethlehem or Jerusalem. They go as far north as they can, as far away from the temple and from Jerusalem as they can, and still remain in Israel, the small town of Nazareth. And that's where Jesus is from. In fact, it fulfills a prophecy that the Messiah would be called a Nazarene. And so we, we have this story that contrasts the people of Israel, the religious leaders and the, the king and the ruler with these outsiders, these strangers who saw a star and were willing to move, to, to give up on their lives and their story and their plans in order to go and find this king just because they saw this star. And it would have been really easy for the wise men to stay in, in Babylon. They could have seen the star and went, okay, well, the, the king is born. Yay for the king. Like, that's exciting. It was a long, expensive journey. Just at the end of that journey, when they make it to Bethlehem to spend more money on the gifts that they brought. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh were very expensive gifts. But this, these gifts become the means by which Jesus' life is protected. And ultimately, our salvation. If the wise men wouldn't have shown up when they did, if they wouldn't have given the gifts that they gave, would Jesus have been alive to go to the cross for our sin? We know, yes, he he would have, God would have found another way. But isn't this an amazing story of how God is bringing people? Like God knew the leaders in Israel would completely miss the star. They'd completely miss what he was doing, even though he told them and he warned them and he showed them it was gonna happen. And so he brings these strangers from this far off place because Jerusalem and Israel were captured 400 and some odd years before that. And he uses these men to provide for the means of Jesus' family and to save them. It, it was strangers, not the people of God who moved towards Jesus. The, the nation of Israel is an, a representation of today's church. Just as Israel was called to be a kingdom of priests and to point the, the way to, to God and to be the place where all other nations would come to find God and to be in relationship with each other and with him in his presence, that's what the church is supposed to be. And just like Israel, we can get so caught up in what we're doing in our story that we miss what God is doing. And I don't wanna miss the opportunities God provides to help others just like the wise men did. Like us, the people of Israel, they were called to be different. They were called to live different. They were called to look different. And yet they missed Jesus. Even when they had the opportunity to worship, they settled for information and refused to invest 
And so they missed the opportunity to be part of the story that God was writing. And I don't want to miss that. I don't want us to get so caught up in what we're doing that we miss what God is doing and this greater story that God is writing. And, and I know, because I'm right there with you, that we've all got our own story going on. We've all got stuff happening and we pile on top of that Christmas. Christmas where, where we're supposed to provide gifts for our family and friends and extended family and we're supposed to do all this stuff. And as a parent, I, I know the struggle. When we were younger, we wanna give our children the best gifts we possibly can. We want them to be excited when they go back to school to share the new things that they, they got. And yet when you don't have the financial mean to do that, it's difficult. We've all got these stories that we're, that we're writing and this, this ideal that we'd like to have. Man, I'd love to have all the presents piled up under the, under the tree. And wouldn't that be exciting for the kids? It would be so, so fun. But I've got I've to pay the mortgage. I've got to pay the rent. I've got to put gas in the car. I've got a job to, to work. I've got all these things going on. There's a whole lot happening in our story right now. I also know that some opportunities we have to, to invest and to get involved in the lives of others and this bigger story that God is, is writing, different things strike different chords with different people. But I think we've been given a lot. So here's what we're gonna do this Christmas as a church. We have already got donations coming in for the gift card giveaway later this month, but we're also going to have the opportunity to do more. Jesus and his family were homeless. They, they were homeless when they were in, in Bethlehem and they were, they were there probably a couple years after they had left their hometown in Nazareth and gone down to Bethlehem where Jesus was born. That was not their home. And then they have to flee and go to a foreign country and be immigrants in a foreign country and survive there. They knew what it was like to be in immigrants, to be dependent on the generosity of others. And so as a church, we're going to collect items for the homeless in our county for Butler Homeless Initiative through the month of December. The next three weeks until the end of the month, we're gonna be collecting items and we'll have a list. We'll publish that in the email on, on Fridays. We'll have paper copies um, here. But if God moves your heart to, to give while you're out, you have that list, pick something up. Jesus was also a, a baby in need and his parents were unmarried and ill-prepared for him to come into their lives. They were dependent on the generosity of others. And so we're also gonna collect items for babies in our community through the Branches Pregnancy and Family Center. We're gonna have that list for you as well. And when these gifts come in, we're gonna place them under this great big beautiful tree right here. We're just gonna see what happens. They will be our gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Our gifts to others to be a part of the bigger story that God is writing. 
And, and you may be sitting in your chair right now thinking, oh my goodness, another thing to give to and support and whatever. But I, I just want you to know, nobody's keeping track. So if you are, if you are unable or maybe just unwilling, because that's, that's reality for all of us, don't worry. We're not keeping track. We're not gonna watch and see who's doing what. But we just wanna say for those of you who are willing, we wanna give you the opportunity. We wanna be a part of the bigger story that God is writing. So we're gonna join with the wise men in this journey. We're gonna move toward Jesus and give as he gave to us. We're gonna do our best not to miss out on the blessing of giving because who knows how God will use our gifts to provide for the needs of others. We've got three weeks, three more Sundays. Let's see what we can give and what God will do. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the gift of your son and for every good gift that you give to us, even the gift of breath today the ability to come this morning to, to worship you with others and to sing songs. God, every day, every opportunity is a gift that you have given us. And we wanna be a part of the story that you're writing. We don't wanna get so caught up in the stories that we're writing, even as a church, the things that we feel like are, are so important and the things we wanna do here in the building we don't wanna get so caught up in what we're doing that we miss what you're doing. So help us, God, to have eyes bigger. Help us not to miss the star. Help us to move as you lead and guide and direct. And, and as we do that, we'll see that you will use the gifts that we give to meet the needs of others. Who knows the ripple effect that that will have for years to come. God, we thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name.